Who's informing your sexual worldview? Your peers or the Word of God? Make a commitment that you'll put nothing unholy before your eyes because that's where it all begins is with the first gaze. Welcome to Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. We all have a worldview, so the question is, what influences have we allowed to shape our worldview? This is especially important when it comes to marital relations. Today, David's message is called, The Birds and the Bees. Please use your best discretion if young children are present. A series on the birds and the bees and the Bible, uh, what indeed the scripture has to teach about sexual purity. Uh, it's not a message that's popular, uh, but it's one that needs to be preached nevertheless. Um, you know, don't you, that your attitudes toward everything in life, but particularly sexual purity, is informed by something. Everybody has a worldview. The question is, what is informing that worldview? Uh, for many of you, uh, the worldview that you have adopted comes out of Hollywood. It's what the media portrays. It's interesting to me that I read a survey this week that says 67% of young Christians believe that premarital sex is okay. When I read that, I conclude that these Christians, and I use the word loosely, have a worldview that's being informed by Hollywood and not the Word of God. I hold tenaciously to a biblical worldview. I look at all areas of life, faith, and practice through the lenses of the Scripture. I, when I became a Christian, placed myself under the authority of God's Word. So I let it interpret me and what I believe. Have a biblical worldview. If you call yourselves a follower of Jesus and you're a part of His church, you must have a biblical worldview. Now what's interesting is in the early church, it was planted right in the middle of the Roman Empire. They had a Greco-Roman worldview that basically was promiscuous and permissive in every area, especially sexual mores. And into that squalor of licentiousness was planted the Holy Church of Jesus Christ. Interestingly, there's a letter to an early Christian named Diognetus talking about why the church was powerfully impacting the entire Roman Empire. And there's a phrase in the letter that is appropriate for today's message. It says, these Christians share their food with everyone and share their wives with no one. They share their food with everyone. They share their wives with no one. They were generous in their giving to social concerns, but they held tenaciously to a biblical worldview that sex is between a man and a woman in a committed permanent marriage relationship. And in the Roman world where orgies were popular and ongoing, the Christian church said, no, we are a holy island in the middle of a squalor of permissiveness. I want to talk to you today about sexual purity. And I want to use two verses as my launching pad. Genesis 2:24 and then a verse from 1 Peter chapter 1. Genesis the second chapter verse 24, pre-fall before sin entered the world, 
Here's what God intended sexuality and marriage to be. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. As I've showed you before, if this is your first time, you'll hear this for the first time. This verse is before sin entered the world. It has three steps. The first step is a man and a woman leave their mother and father. They then make public, permanent vows to one another, for better or worse, sickness and health, rich or poor, as long as we both shall live. And then they become one flesh, which is the sexual term. Notice it's leave, cleave, then sex. That's God's order. That's what he originally intended. That's how he wanted sex and marriage to operate within the boundaries of a permanent marriage relationship. Now, I'll ask you this every time I can. One of the ways you know if something is true is to give it the kingdom of God test. If everyone in the world practiced it, if everyone in the world placed themselves under the king of kings in his kingdom, how would the world operate? And if every person in the world followed these three steps of leave, cleave, then one sex, think how many social ills throughout the world would be gone mostly in one generation. This is God's will for how sex should be used. That is the biblical worldview. It's not Hollywood, but it's what the scripture clearly teaches. It's God's best. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 16, the word of the Lord. Therefore, preparing your minds for action, we prepare our minds, our worldview, how we think for action, and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children... Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, to the passions of the world, the world's viewpoint. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. The word holy means different, different from the world's perspective. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. Well, I'm a dad. I'm a granddad, and I've had my kids come to me throughout the years and ask me different questions. I've tried always to answer as a good, loving, caring dad, but also a good, loving, caring dad who believes in the Bible as God's word. Many of you had good dads. If your dad was not a biblically rooted dad, though, I want to be that dad for you today. Some of you had bad dads. Absent dads, abusive dads, and they certainly did not give you guidance in every area of your life, particular human sec particularly human sexuality. So I want to be that dad for you today. And maybe for some of you, as my hair gets grayer, I'll be a granddad. But I want to speak to you truth. This is going to be a hard-hitting message. I'm going to say some things that might feel a little awkward, especially in these kind of settings. But I must. For my call is not to entertain you. My call is to tell you the truth. And if the truth offends, I'm sorry. Talk to God about it. But I'm trying my best to give you what the scripture says is God's truth. 
For otherwise, I'm just giving you my opinion, and my opinion is no better than your opinion. This is what the Word of God says about human sexuality and purity. I'm going to answer some questions that have been asked to me over and over again through the years and by my own children. I hope I'm speaking God's truth to you today. First of all, for teens and singles, and I'm speaking again to Christians here, people who've been called out to be different from the world, to be holy, here are your questions and biblical answers. First of all, how far is too far? <laughs> Our hearts are wicked and deceptive, aren't they? Why don't we ever ask how little can I go? We always look to stretch God's boundaries to see how far we can go and just not quite sin. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, our hearts are wicked and deceitful above all else. They truly are. But in the area of purity, there is a will from God, and he wants us to be sexually pure. So let me give you the two things my dad always told me every time I was ready to leave for a date that absolutely drove me crazy, that I've shared with my children, that I share with you today. If you want to remain sexually pure as a single in your dating experience here in our culture, practice these two rules. First of all, nothing below the neck. Secondly, always vertical, never horizontal. Simple, but profound. And I hated it whenever he said it to me. I struggled with it just like you do. But I learned if I would practice those two things, for the most part, I could remain sexually pure. That's my counsel for you today. Don't go any farther than that. Secondly, how about oral sex? I don't like talking about it. I'm talking now about outside of marriage. For inside of marriage, that's a different story. But outside of marriage, let me remind all of you, biblically, you have what theologians and biblicists have called God as being the unseen seer. The unseen seer. What does that mean? Well, go to Psalm 139, verses 7 through 10, which says, Where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. The unseen seer sees all. There's nothing we do privately. There's nothing that escapes his gaze. So you have to ask yourself the question, with oral sex outside of marriage, is God pleased when he sees it? There's only one person who should have access to that part of your body, and that is your wife or husband in marriage. Be holy, God said. Be different, as I am holy and I am different. Next question, well, what's the big deal if no one's hurt? 
The truth is, God's will for all of our lives is that we be one flesh in that marriage relationship unless he's called us to being single. That's another message for another time. But in marriage, God wants us to be one flesh in a unified relationship with our spouse. And whenever you have any kind of sexual relationship outside of that marriage relationship, studies even show it in today's contemporary scientific culture that a part of you is left upon that person and a part of that person is left upon you. You are literally stripping a part of yourself on another person. That's why, again, the idea of casual sex is an oxymoron from God's perspective, like jumbo shrimp. It's an impossibility. When you have intercourse with somebody, a part of you is left with that person, a part of that person is left with you. That's why Paul in 1 Corinthians 6 said, don't even sleep with a prostitute because don't you understand? The two become one flesh. If God's goal is a unified one-ship with you and your spouse where you learn how to serve and to give and to care and to love for the other person, when you're stripping away yourself with someone else, you're stripping away your ability to love. That's a big deal. And one of the prophecies of Paul in the New Testament as Jesus approaches his second coming is people will forget how to love because they'll not know the depth, the meaning of what love really is. Dear friends, my dad and mom were married 63 years. They knew each other 68 years. In the last 17 years of her life, she had a vicious, slowly progressive form of Alzheimer's. It slowly but surely stripped her of her personality. In the last five years of their marriage, she did not know who my dad was. And yet, my dad faithfully and lovingly went to see her every single day, often stroking her hand and saying to her, I love you, Helen. I love you, Helen. And she didn't even know who he was. That's love. Not Hollywood. That's love. And do you think that had a profound impression upon this young man watching it? What's the big deal? The big deal is learning how to love as Jesus has loved us. Well, everyone else is doing it, David. <laughs> well, I'll give you the answer my mom and dad always gave me. Son. Well, that was my dad's voice, okay? All right. Son, if all of your friends are jumping off a bridge, will you jump off the bridge? Any of your parents ever say that to you? Yeah. Well, here's the question. Who's informing your sexual worldview? Your peers or the Word of God? That question suggests your peers define your worldview. And how sad that is, because their views will change according to their own whims and fancies. Why is porn wrong? Well, porn is wrong because it promotes selfishness. It's a problem mostly with men, although there's a niche market now for women too. Basically, in a private environment, you men mostly are saying to a celluloid model, meet my needs. 
Take care of me. I'll ask nothing of you. Just be there always for me. It's an addiction that controls the brain, guys. It is horrifying and will destroy you, your marriage, and your kids. It's the first step toward the rapidly proliferating problem worldwide called sex trafficking. You dry up the demand, you dry up the supply. Men stop watching porn, sex trafficking goes away, period. Also, when men do this, you're never concerned with your personal hygiene, your physical appearance, or your moral character. In the eyes of yourself, you simply have someone meeting your needs, which is selfishness, which is contrary to the call to love that Jesus has given his world. Get help. Have accountability. Rid yourself of this horrible addiction. But the best thing to do is nip it in the bud. Job 31.1 says, I have made a covenant with my eyes that I will put no unholy thing before it. Job 31.1, memorize it and make a commitment that you'll put nothing unholy before your eyes because that's where it all begins is with the first gaze. This is Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. Thanks for listening. Coming up, David joins me in the studio to talk about today's Davidism. We'll be right back. This is the Ministry Minute, focusing on ministries that have a positive impact on our community. I'm Mark McManus, and with me today is Bart Noonan with West Boulevard Ministry. Bart, tell us about West Boulevard Ministry. Uh, Thank you, Mark, for this opportunity to speak about West Boulevard Ministry, and, and more importantly, about Jesus Christ. West Boulevard Ministry serves the spiritual and physical needs of the families and the communities within the West Boulevard quarter to the glory of Jesus Christ. Whether we're doing neighborhood outreach cookouts, gatherings where we're bringing people outside of their apartments, their homes, into fellowship with one another, or we're doing Bible study bingo the first Wednesday of every month at Little Rock Apartments. And uh, we gather anywhere from 50 to 70 children that we share the gospel with and play bingo after our Bible study portion of the night. And a couple weeks ago, there's a young man who we've been walking with now close to three years who came in, he, he forgot something, like a lot of young young kids do, he forgot something in the um, space, and he came back in and he ended up praying out myself and all the other volunteers for the West Boulevard ministry team that were gathered there for that night and led us all in prayer and closed it out. And this young man, we've been taking to church every every Sunday for about the past year and a half. And, and that's what it's all about. It's about providing an opportunity for Jesus Christ to work inside someone's heart and, and then encourage them along the way. That sounds great. Now, Bart, if any of our listeners want to get in contact with you, how would they do that? The best way to do is uh, either email myself at bart at westboulevardministry.org or they can call me straight up in my cell phone and I always answer. I'm sort of like a doctor. The phone's always on and that's 980-298-9027. I would encourage folks too to also go to our website, which is westboulevardministry.org and there you can see some of our photo galleries, you can see some of the blogs and a lot of things we do throughout the West Boulevard Corridor to the glory of Jesus Christ. It is great having you with us today. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mark. 
I'm Jen Houston, and with me today is our pastor, David Chadwick. David, thanks for being with us today. Hi, Jen. Great being with you as well. Well, David, you titled today's e-devotion, Buy a Saddle. Uh, Something (laughs) tells me this may be a lesson that we all need to hear. What do you mean by this? It really is, Jen. It's a lesson I've had to learn. My guess is many others have as well. Here's the truth I'm trying to get across when I say buy a saddle. If a friend says to you, you're a donkey, I wouldn't pay much attention to that. That's one person's opinion. I'd move on in life. But if another friend comes to you and says, you're a donkey, that means two people have said it. You probably ought to pay attention. (laughs) Then if a third person comes to you and says, you're a donkey, here's what you need to do. Not just pay attention. You need to buy a saddle. (laughs) (laughs) You probably are a donkey. If you're getting that continual feedback especially from trusted friends. And that's the point of today's message. We all need trusted friends in our lives who will speak truth to us. Now, even a trusted friend can be wrong, but if you have several trusted friends saying to you the same thing, they're probably giving you a truth, a reality about yourself that you need to pay attention to. So here's the point. In Proverbs 27, verse 6, it says, the wounds of a brother are invaluable. I love that. Mm -hmm. We need close, trusted friends who will say the tough stuff to us. I'd much rather have a hard truth than a greasy lie spoken to me, Mm -hmm. even if it's painful, because that allows me to hear it and to repent and to become the kind of person that God wants me to be. Mm -hmm. God doesn't want me to be a donkey. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want me to live my life in that way. He wants me to be a person set free from the burdens of my life to live according to his grace. So the point today is simply this. If one person says something to you, don't pay much attention to it. If somebody says the same thing to you who's a trusted friend, begin to pay attention. But if the third person says the same thing, you ought to buy a saddle. (laughs) Be really concerned that they're telling you the truth, but in love to make you the person God wants you to be. The wounds of a brother are invaluable, Proverbs 27, 6. Well, and if we find ourselves that we're surrounded by people who are always just telling us yes and things that make us feel good, they're not really being 100% honest because we all have weaknesses and we all need to grow and mature. And the best way to do that is with a trusted friend being real. And I think, Jen, that begins in marriage. My my Mm. hope is that every marriage has two best friends in them. I oftentimes joke with people and say, you can leave your spouse, you can't leave your best friend. So hopefully in your marriages, you have someone who is your best friend. And when that best friend tells you truths about yourself and points out blind spots and places where you need to grow, you'd listen to it because you know that partner, A, is not going to leave you, is always going to be there and loves you enough to tell you the truth. Mm -hmm. So when you have someone like that, especially as your marriage partner, you have an invaluable asset in life. And I would encourage everybody out there, A, to develop that kind of friendship in marriage, but B, to have trusted, good, and godly friends around you who will tell you the tough things that you need to overcome, the blind spots in your life that will make you the kind of person that Jesus wants you to become. I love that. And I think we can each maybe even practice today doing that and stepping out and not not facing um, the fear of rejection, but being that person that can be truthful. Absolutely. And ask people in our lives, tell me the truth. I have blind spots. What do you think? Mm -hmm. And then if we're that kind of person to somebody else, tell them the truth because we might well be the person who helps somebody buy a saddle. So good. (laughs) Thank you so much. And everyone, if you'd like to receive an e-blast from me, something 
something in your inboxes every morning at 7 a.m. that gives you a moment of hope. I'll be more than happy to send you these written moments of hope. From my heart to yours, go to momentsofhopechurch.org. You can subscribe there. They're free of charge. My only desire is to help your day have more hope. This has been Moments of Hope with David Chadwick, Senior Pastor of Moments of Hope Church. We would love to have you join us for worship this Sunday morning. We meet at Providence Day School, located at 5800 Sardis Road in South Charlotte at 10 a.m. You can find more information on our website, momentsofhopechurch.org. Again, come join us Sunday morning at 10 a.m. at Providence Day School, located at 5800 Sardis Road in South Charlotte. Our web address is momentsofhopechurch.org. For David and the entire Moments of Hope Church staff, this is Jen Houston asking you to pray for unity in the local church.